Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Media with ABWE, joined as always by Scott Dunford, pastor of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California. Well, Scott, 2022, it's been a heck of a year. I, I have no words <laughs> to describe this year. Um, well, so, many highs, comparison so many highs, so many in comparison to the previous years. So I think it's been, you know, by, by comparison to 2020, it's been awesome. Well, I think it depends completely what you're looking at. So I, I think there's so much going on. Man, my head is spinning, and it's hard to even make any kind of an accurate summary statement about everything that's going on. But the good news is that the kingdom of God continues to advance, right? And that's why we're here. That's why we're talking about missions. That's why we're talking about the advance of the gospel, which, by the way, if you want to be a part of helping to advance the mission of this show, you can do that at missionspodcast.com slash support. And somebody the other day asked, you know, like, do you need that? Does that help you? And you do know this is a ministry of ABWE, but yes, every bit helps. If this show has been a support to you, if it's been a resource for you, maybe you're a missionary serving on the field, prayerfully, let me encourage you to consider joining with us as a partner to the show. And if you have questions about that or anything else, email alex at missionspodcast.com. But with some of that housekeeping out of the way, Scott, speaking of 2022 year in review, you know, we always want to be learning. We always want to be reflecting not only on where we've been, but also just on what are we here for when we talk about missions, when we talk about our theology, when we talk about the methods that we apply on the field. And so here to do that with us is a very important guest, right? Yes, I'm excited to have a longtime Twitter friend, and we've been engaged in some other things in, in small ways, but it, we've never had him on the show before. So it's really good to have our good friend Chris Howells, Dr. Chris, by the way. Uh, that's a newly minted term, I think, right, Chris? It is just from earlier this year. So 2022 has been all right for me. I've got that certificate, you know. Yes, that's great. And uh, come from an American university nonetheless, which I know is difficult. You can probably hear the accent there. We have him on because uh, the British accent is just unbeatable when that's it comes right. to talking that's about smart things. Yeah. <laughs> but, he, but he is the head of theology at Uganda Martyr Seminary on the outskirts of Kampala in the city of Uganda. Uh, he ministers there with his wife, uh, Dr. Roz, I think we should call her as well. Uh, she's a medical doctor and there are three children. Um, and uh, he's there working with a ministry sent by a ministry called Crosslinks in the, in the UK, Crosslinks BCMS. Uh, and uh, also, we've gotten to know him because he hosts a very popular blog on missions called From Every Nation, and uh, he's got a little resource that, that he sends out regularly uh, called Mission Hits, which I think is something that everyone who's listening probably is familiar with, or if they're not, they should be familiar. So, yeah, Chris, I welcome to... that everyone's familiar with it, honestly. So, Chris, as you introduce yourself, also remind us where we can find those resources. Yeah, thank you, Scott and Alex. So, um, yeah, as Scott said, working at Uganda Martyr Seminary in Amagongo, uh, which is an Anglican Church of Uganda Bible training institution. We've got about 275 Ugandans, few Kenyans, who come here for two or three years before being sent out into ordained Christian ministry in parishes across Uganda and East Africa. I've been here with Roz, my wife, and our three kids for 11 years. 
um, and uh, from the UK, as, as you can probably tell from the accents. And yeah, the, the website is from everynation.net. I think it came about because I became increasingly aware a couple of years ago that there is an enormous wealth of outstanding meteorological resources out there. But you had to sign up to about 400 different websites and blogs in order to, to find them. And, and we just needed some nerdy geek to do that and then to curate and collate and communicate them the you know the best most worthy resources out and i just realized that i was that nerdy geek and so i took on that mantle myself and so that's what i do once a month an email goes out with a collection of podcasts videos articles tweets all related to god's global mission purposes with the idea of really um collating the best that is out there and sending it out to missionaries mission practitioners mission thinkers uh, mission pastors and so on to further their own missiological developments so chris tell us a little we're going to do a, a top 10 of sorts at the end of the year here talk about missiology texts but before we do that why do you think missiology is important for missionaries i know some missionaries who don't read any missiology may even question why would we need to do that why do you think missionaries and people who care about missions should be reading missiology Thank you. I think in a short answer, I would say this, that um, uh, if we are working cross-culturally, it is not enough just to be able to minister um, and theologize in our own culture. Now, that is the minimum. If you cannot do that, you have no right to try and do the same thing overseas or cross-culturally. But I think we need to do more than that. And so missiology is obviously related to theology. But it is, it is beyond that, I think, in the sense that it is uh, thinking how to theologize, how to minister with those from other contexts, other languages, other backgrounds, other settings, how they bring their own perspectives to the scriptures, how we help to do that. Um, I think without that training, without that understanding of what's happening in the world and how God is working in the world and how God is uh, bringing his word to bear in the world, then we will always be limited in what we can do or in worst case scenario, actually damaging in what we're doing. Because we'll be simply exporting our own understanding, our own background, our own ministry without any sense of contextualization at all. So Scott, you and Chris have established a little bit of a friendship. You guys are networking together in a group of people that are reading and studying missiology texts and interacting with ideas happening in the discipline from a lot of different backgrounds. So tell me, what what makes Chris special? I mean, we, we just heard his actual resume on paper, but, but what is what is it that, that particularly made you think, Scott, this is what we need to do? And Chris, we appreciate all the work that you've been able to do as well. Well, one, I don't know anybody who listens to as many missions podcasts and read as many missions blogs and books as Chris. So when we're trying to get a broad view of what's happening in missiology, maybe even outside of our context, having someone who's well-read, and I think Chris is that, which is exciting to me. One, uh, that, that's, that's part of it. I think also, you know, secondly, he's, he's engaging with this stuff all the time. Um, if you follow Mission Hits, you see that he's thinking through these things well. It's helpful to think through. Um, but also, you know, he's a practitioner. You know, not only is he a, a theologian in his own right and uh, teaching in a seminary, but also living on the field. And so I think having that kind of perspective as well is helpful for us. And I, I personally, Alex, I like having someone from outside of the U.S. once in a while. I mean, I feel like U.S. dominates a lot of the mission space. It's good to get some outside perspective. I find even just being on that uh you know that monthly uh, phone call with with I'm the only American on the on the in the group, 
and uh, mm. I just find myself being challenged. So having some different perspective joining us, I think is awesome. So with that being said, Chris, uh, let's go ahead and get started with your num. We're not ranking these. I think you wanted to be clear about that. We're not ranking them. Um, I might rank them, but uh, uh, we're not going to rank them just to not offend uh, people who are listening. But what is the first resource you want to recommend for us to be thinking about in missiology today? That's right. Um, it's not uh, necessarily uh, number one. This isn't a, a countdown from 10 to 1, but uh, I don't want to make enemies of any of these wonderful authors who have written these books. So the first one is by Andreas Kostenberger. I'll hold it up here for those who are watching on video. So it's Salvation to the Ends of the Earth. It is a biblical theology of mission. So it's a canonical reading through the scriptures from start to finish, creation to new creation, through Christ, through redemption history, looking at how God's mission and God's call of his people to mission develops through that biblical narrative. I wanted to begin the list with a biblical theology of mission because if we're going to build a strong missiology, of course it must be done on that foundation of uh, God's revealed word through the scriptures. This one is one of many. Uh, even our friend J.D. Payne has released one this year uh, that is excellent. But I've actually chosen um, uh, Kostenberger. It was first released in 2001, but it has been revised and uh, this second edition came out a couple of years ago. It is meticulously researched. It has got a gargantuan uh, bibliography um, and it is uh, unashamedly written in full submission to the scriptures. Um, it, is, it is really well done. At the end of each chapter, there is a section on contemporary relevance, which is enormously helpful, it, you know, applying what we're learning from that section of the scriptures to today. And just quickly, and unusually for these biblical theologies of mission, this one has also got a chapter on the intertestamental period. So normally these things go direct from Malachi to Matthew. But of course, there's quite a large number of years in between that. And that's actually very relevant. So when Jesus in Matthew 23 criticizes the Pharisees, says you cross land and sea just to make a single convert. Well, hang on a moment. What's going on there? Who, who, who's going out to make converts? What's happening and, and how might that have influenced the apostles and their understanding of mm. centrifugal mission? So it's a really uh, strong, strong book. It's dense. It's not one you'd read in a hurry. I really recommend it. Just very quickly, though, be aware that it does focus very much on the New Testament. There's about 25 pages on the Old, about 200 plus on the New. That's not <laughs> ideal because the Old Testament is also saturated with God's mission. But so be it. I still highly recommend it. He is a New Testament scholar, so I guess that makes sense. There is that, and I, I was in a conversation with somebody recently, and you know, those of us that study these topics tend to take a lot of it for granted, but building that case slowly and methodically through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, maybe focusing a little bit more on the New Testament, but hopefully not too much so, uh, building the case that God has a heart for the nations, we can't take that for granted it's all over the pages of Scripture. I think a biblical theology is certainly a good thing to be on people's New Year's reading lists. So that makes a lot of sense. What what do we have next in the rundown, though? Because that that I see what I see what you're doing there. You're laying a foundation. Let's let's keep laying that foundation. Right. So this second one is a book that Scott and I know well because this is a book we're studying in our missions book reading group. So it's by Michael Goheen. It's called Introducing Christian Missions Today. It came out in 2014. It's a super helpful introductory 
history textbook to missiology and world mission quite generally. Now there are others in this field, Robin Hadaway, Scott Moreau, Zane Pratt and some others have also done similarly excellent um, sort of Christian textbooks to Christian mission. But I think this is a really strong one. It is perfect for a classroom setting, perfect for a discussion group. Um, it, he assumes very little knowledge of missiology, but it's not shallow. He goes very deep, very quickly, uh, but, but starts really from the beginning. Um, he, he's, he's able to synthesize a vast amount of material down into a very succinct and clear um, book. And, and the, it's got 11 chapters. It's split into three parts. The first is a biblical and theological introduction to mission. The second is a short overview of mission history, and then an overview of, uh, of the church in the world today, continent by continent, which is really well done. And then perhaps the third section is most useful, looking at contemporary issues in missiology today, everything from contextualization to theology of mission to urban mission. And then interestingly, uh, what many of the others don't have is a chapter on a theology of Western culture, a missiology of Western culture. And that's very influenced by one of his heroes, Goheen's heroes, which is Leslie Newbegin, who of course did that very strongly himself. So it's really helpful. Um, I hope it is updated soon. I think it could probably do with that, but it's a wonderful introductory level textbook. Okay, so we got two down. Number three. Number three, uh, Encountering Theology of Mission, written by uh, Craig Ott and uh, Stephen Strauss, written in 2010. Now, this is one of nine books in this series, Encountering Theology of Mission, all of them written about 10 to 15 years ago. If you put them all together, you'd have a magnificent uh, sort of introduction to missiology generally. I think this is the best of the bunch. It, it is it, answering every question that I could think of related to theology of mission. Um, for example, chapters on uh, mission motivations, you know, which are biblically warranted, which are not how have they changed over time. Chapters on the relationship between church and mission. Chapters on a theology of other religions. Um, all of these questions, which can be quite contentious, they present both views and then gently, persuasively, not polemically, not aggressively, argue from the scriptures for which they think is uh, correct. I find myself in agreement with them on almost everything. It's a dense book. It's fairly long. Uh, you'd be very welcome if you picked it up to choose the chapters that most kind of tickled you uh, or attracted you. But I, I really think it belongs on missiologist bookshelves. Very helpful. Well, this would be a good place to make a plug that if you're listening, and uh, whether you're in the U.S. or not, but you have the ability to come to the U.S. in May, ABWE is hosting one of its annuals, uh, annual International Theological Education Summits, and Craig Ott is the keynote speaker in 2023. And so that's coming up soon. So if you're a missionary on the field that has a heart for theological education, maybe you're already engaged in doing that formally, informally at a Bible college, a seminary, in the States or abroad, and you have a heart for mission, that's the place for you. That's the place for theological educators, Bible and theology trainers that are figuring out how do we do that in a global context and how do we leverage some of the theological resources, particularly of the North American church, how do we leverage those things globally? Uh, that's what the International Theological Education Summit is for, and you can hear Craig Ott then. And so thank you for putting that on our radar. And if you have any questions about that, just go to the abwe.org website and search for International Theological Education Summit. There you go. There you go. Just had I to like get it. that out there. That was seamless and, and a good good timing. Do, do you know, Alex and Scott, if Craig so, speaks at that conference anywhere near as well as he writes in the book I've just recommended, then you guys are in for a treat. 
I think you should come, Chris. I think you should uh, buy your tickets from now. Tempting, tempting, really. If this, if this uh, podcast, I, Alex, I guess I'm speaking for the whole organization right now, which is dangerous, as I don't work for them technically. Um, if, uh, but if this podcast generates hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in uh, giving, uh, I think we can afford to 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 fly Chris out here. I'll tell you what. Chris, let's get you here. Send me an email. Next on the list. <laughs> this is an introduction to the science of missions. This is the oldest book on the list. Uh, so this is written by Bavink. Now, the word Bavink uh, is um, a name in uh, vogue, a, na- a famous name at the moment. A lot of evangelicals have been drawn to Bavink, but this is not Herman Bavink. This is his nephew, J.H. Bavink. Uh, so he wrote this in 1954. I wanted to have a book on that was um, from the early or mid 20th century because I don't want to fall for a recent bias and I also want to recognize that there is a wealth of historical um, sort of gems in the field of missiology that we can very easily skip over with the abundance of new books that are coming out. So this was written in 1954. It was translated into English uh, in 1960. Bavink was a, uh, a Dutch missionary in Java in the 1930s and returned to the Netherlands to teach missiology in the 40s and 50s and 60s. This is probably his best known book. Um, it is uh, remarkably Uh, fresh and timeless, really, when you read it, even though it's approaching its 70th birthday. Some of the questions he's dealing with concerning theology of religion, contextualization, relationship between church and mission. I mean, these are questions that we are still asking today. And I think it's because Mm -hmm. Bavink is so saturated in the scriptures that, of course, it makes it such a timeless text. Um, I just want to read one quote to you, just one sentence as a little uh, example of the kind of quality of what he's writing. Listen to this. Bavink writes, experience on the mission field repeatedly leads to humility and a feeling of guilt. Mission work is a work filled with many disappointments. But when we have experienced these to their very depth, what remains is our disappointment with ourselves. And our disappointment is then mingled with the surprise that God, in spite of our clumsy and unworthy hands, still would perform such marvelous things. And I think that quote really reflects this kind of tough almost hard-nosed, rebuking kind of spirit that Bavink has, but also this wonderful, God-saturated humility and gentleness and persuasiveness as well. I think this, even though it's an old book, is really worth a read. Very good. That's a that that's exciting. I want to sink my teeth into that one. So now we're going to turn a little bit of a corner. Is that right, Chris? We are sort of doing that. We said one more in that top, in that five. Oh, we've got one more. Okay, so we're laying a foundation and then we're going to shift a little bit, maybe. No, I think that's right. I think these early books are where we're trying to lay a really strong, solid, biblical, evangelical foundation in our missiology. The fifth one is perhaps a bit of a transition in that, in that this is uh, by David Bosch. It was written in 1991, so it's another oldie but a a goldie. Um, It it is such a common book. Anyone who is involved in missiology today will come across Bosch very quickly. I think it is in almost every bibliography of every dissertation and article you will find. Bosch was a South African professor of missiology. He died actually the year after this in 1992, tragically in a car crash, age 62. Um, Newbegin called this book a summer missiologica, so riffing off Thomas Aquinas' magisterial medieval work, the summer uh, theologi. (laughs) Oh, somebody somewhere just got triggered. What's that, Alex? 
I said somebody somewhere just got triggered because we referenced Thomas, but we that's okay. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> right. Well, I referenced New Begin, who referenced Thomas. So let me let me sort of distance myself from that triggering. Now, wh why is this book still so highly used and so 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 highly? praised well i think it's because bosch is really the first major missiologist to apply paradigm theory to missiology so what he does is a historical overview of mission theology not a missions history as such but tracing mission theology over time now this is actually very disconcerting because what bosch does is shows how every stage of church history is contextually located in their missiology so we can look at their missiology and say look how it was a product of their time their context their worldview their religiosity and so on and so forth but of course what that means is that as it comes yeah. to our own missiology we have the slightly troubling realization that maybe there are aspects of that that are not uh, sort of pure and neutral and sort of exclusively biblical, but actually are themselves rooted in our own time and our own context. Uh, I think that can be disconcerting, but also very mm. helpful. Um, it is a, a magnificent sort of historical sweep. There may be lots that evangelicals might disagree with. That's absolutely fine. But I think what we do when we read this book is we come away with a better understanding of how mission has got to where it is today, why we are doing mission in the way we do it today, um, and, and therefore understanding ourselves. And I think that's really helpful. I've not met anyone who regrets reading this. It is a long book. It is a heavy book. I tend to read it about three pages at a time, because after that, I just get mentally and missiologically exhausted by the kind of depth of thought on in every sentence, really. So give yourself a few months to get through this slowly by slowly, but you won't regret it. So Chris, question with that. Just in your opinion, you're you're a guy, you're a reader, you're 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 a practitioner. Are you encouraged by the trends that you see in missiology? You know, we started this show talking about, hey, it's 2023, it's year in review. What does that look like? And for you, I believe that that God's mission is continuous throughout history, absolutely. But you can definitely see highs and lows in how the church has understood its mission how it's faithfully discharged that, and even having an understanding of missiology. There's some times where the church doesn't have much of an understanding of that at all, and then there's other times where there's advances, and then maybe maybe it goes too far off one extreme or another. So are you encouraged by where things are at right now in that timeline? I am, generally speaking, yes. And the reason I say that is because I think what I see a lot of in the missiological world at the moment is a holding on to theological truth, biblical doctrine, uh, and um, the sort of rich tapestry of mission history that we can learn from. But at the same time, I think there is an increasing recognition that we are in a new or emerging into a new paradigm, a paradigm of world Christianity, a paradigm of polycentric mission from everywhere to everywhere, a paradigm where there is so much change happening in the world, but where God is working in and through that change. And we need to make sure that we're listening and keeping up with that. But I do see that more and more. So I am encouraged, although I still think we have to keep a close eye, not only on the past and learn from that, but also on the future and grapple with what's happening in our world today. Well, speaking of what's happening in the world today, then bring us kicking and screaming into the present with your next title. That's right. So the, the, the following five are those that I think are doing just that. I think they are trying to stretch us. I think they're trying to broaden us. Now, I know the word broadening when we think theologically or missiologically can set off little alarm bells in our heads. And I fully get that. I, I'm, I'm not trying to say broaden in a kind of unhelpful, liberalizing sense. I think what I'm trying to say here is that these next few books really help us to grapple with the future of mission, the change 
changes that we're seeing in mission. And the first of those five that I want to hold up here is by Timothy Tennant. Um, and it is called um, uh, uh, Theology in the Context of World Christianity. So it's written in 2007. It, it is more in the field of world Christianity than missiology, but there is a strong overlap between those two disciplines. So we, we don't want to pick them apart too much. Tennant is the president of Asbury Theological Seminary over there in the States. It, it is an outstanding book. Um, basically, he is trying to show us that world Christianity and world church today uh, is not a um, uh, sort of peripheral, exotic uh, um, sort of discipline that is irrelevant to uh, us today. But actually, it is key to the health and renewal of the Western church. And our responsibility is not only to listen and learn from others, but also incorporate their biblical insights and global theologizing into our own faith uh, to learn from them. Uh, uh, they, they, their perspectives might mutually benefit us all. So the way he does that is he takes us through 10 chapters looking at 10 questions or 10 issues that are emerging in world Christianity and how global Christians are approaching them. So, for example, he has a chapter looking at how African Christians are thinking through Christology and, and looking at how uh, Christ uh, is healer and ancestor. Uh, what are the advantages and disadvantages of using those sort of fundamentally African terms in Christology. He's looking at pneumatology in a Latin American context. He's looking at honor and shame in Asian context. So he's really trying to get Western Christians to grapple with these questions that are uh, being asked and grappled with around the world. Um, so I, I, it, it's a very helpful book. And just quickly, brothers, I, I think one thing I would want to add here is that it's very easy to think that there is a theological famine in the majority world. And this kind of book is trying to show that that isn't the case. Now, there may be a shortage of published theological materials. There may be a shortage of materials in English, but actually our majority world brothers and sisters are thinking richly how to love and worship and live for and witness to Christ in their own context. And I think this book really draws that out well. Wonderful. So that gets us up through number six. What do you have for our numbers, our seventh book. Now, number seven is one I was a little bit wary of putting in. All right. It is a controversial book. I think it is fair to say it is written by Michael Stroop um, and it is called Transcending Mission. So it was out, I think, in 2017. Um, uh, Stroop is a former IMB missionary. He taught at Southeastern and Southwestern Baptist Seminaries and is now chair in mission at Baylor University. This is a big book. It is a dense book. It is heavily footnoted. It is pretty academic. I wouldn't recommend it as someone's first sort of exposure into the world of missiology. But for those who've got a little bit of reading under, under their belt, um, I think it is great. It is, it, is, it is clear. It is readable. And it's about our language of mission. Now, that might sound a bit dull but but hear me out very quickly the, the the missions world is really split over the word mission so some will say that the word mission is basically a biblical word because there is a direct etymological connection between the word mission through the latin mitere straight back to the greek um, sort of, uh, my Greek pronunciation is terrible, but apostelein or, or, or pempo pempain, which are the Greek New Testament words for sending. So that group will say that the word mission is a direct grandchild of the biblical word sending, and therefore mission is effectively a biblical word. But uh, Stroop would be part of the second group that says, actually, the lexical connection between the word mission as we see it and use it today 
and the New Testament is actually very weak. And the, what we often do today is, is, is uh, uh, um, formulate our own ideas of what mission is or should be and then read that back into the scriptures and use that to justify what we're doing today, this kind of circular reasoning. So what he tries to do in this book is, 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 is kind of tease that apart and show that actually uh, a lot of what um, is done in mission today is not sort of biblical, as uh, so often claimed, but is contextual. Uh, and what he's trying to do is take us back to the New Testament and say, let's start again. Let's look again there and let's see how we build a missiology that is genuinely biblical and not saturated as much by our own context and, and, and sort of understandings today. Uh, he prefers language like pilgrim, witness, um, and things like that to replace the word mission. Now, of course, anyone who tries to pull apart our most cherished concepts is always going to sort of ruffle a few feathers. And this book has certainly do that, does that. And I personally wouldn't agree with all of it. I'm perfectly happy with the word mission. But I do think that engaging right. with Troop is actually very helpful because it really gives us, it sharpens us. It helps us to be aware of our language, where it's come from and how we're using it. And I think that is helpful, even if we don't want to agree with everything that Stroop himself concludes. So Chris, what, what do you see as some advantages of reading even missiological texts that you know going into it that you're not going to agree with everything in it? I think it's essential, Scott. I really do, because we don't want to be in a sort of missiological echo chamber where we're only reading from those that um, sort of speak uh, from our, you know, from the theology and background that we ourselves have. I think engaging with Western scholars who uh, come at it from a different perspective and non-Western scholars and missiologists as well is absolutely crucial. Um, and I think if we don't do that, then we're in danger of just agreeing with ourselves consistently. When we read these missiology books, we don't have to agree with every word. In fact, of these 10, plenty of them clash against each other. I'm not saying here we are 10 books, it will give you a coherent, consistent, fully formed missiology with no gaps or cracks in it at all. I think what we're trying to do here is say, let's engage with a, a broad range of missiological thinkers, all of them who love Jesus, Jesus, all of them who are biblically founded and all of them who want to enjoy the rich uh, Christian history. And, let, and let's work together to build our missiology. I like that spirit, and I think we all need to have a little bit more of that spirit. And so in the spirit of engaging more, what's your next item on the list, Chris? So the next one I don't have in my hands, but it is by Andrew Walls. Um, it is called The Missionary Movement in Christian History. So this was written in 1996. Walls is uh, uh, British. So I've, you know, I've got to put a Brit in, haven't I? Don't, don't yes, begrudge me do. that. Right after you talked about all the diversity there, that now you're just... <laughs> <laughs> predictable move so, so, so now, now we're getting to the purest of missiology because it's British no 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 I'm joking with you um, so Walls was uh, born in England but he was a Scottish um, heritage he actually died last year having lived a long life he died in his 90s um, he, he, he wrote a lot of articles he supervised a lot of students a lot of the people he supervised are very active in missiology today so you see his influence all over the world of mission today um, he's an incredibly significant figure, but often quite little known. So Christianity Today magazine last year called him the most important person that you don't know, which is quite an interesting description, isn't it? Uh, a lot of your listeners may have come across him, but you see, he invested in his students more than in books. Uh, uh, in fact, the Gambian scholar Lamin Sana said of him, he's known by his students and that's good enough for him, which is quite a, a sort of noteworthy thing to have said of you, isn't it? So Walls was a missionary in West Africa in the 60s. 
60s and then returned in the 70s for the rest of his life teaching in his native Scotland. He didn't actually write a book. What he did was give many lectures and write many articles and these were basically collated into three books and the one I'm drawing your attention to here, The Missionary Movement in Christian History, is the first of those three books but you do well to engage with any of them to be honest. Um, Christianity Today magazine actually put this book um, in their list of the hundreds most important books of the 20th century alongside C.S. Lewis and Stott and Packer and Barth and Bonhoeffer and so on. So, you know, it clearly is a significant figure and a significant book. Why is that? Well, very quickly, you know, I won't be able to do justice to the book here, but it does represent his thought very well. There's no single argument running through it, but his basic kind of perspective is that, um, you know, the history of Christianity is often taught as West Western church history. Uh, and what he tries to do is find and identify and draw out uh, stories from the periphery, from the margins, that give us a bigger and better view of Christian, he of Christian history and of Christian theology. So, for example, there's just this one remarkable thing I remember reading when he said that in the 19th century, statistically speaking, per head of population, the biggest missionary sending country in the world in the latter half of the 19th century was... Not the UK, not the US, Sierra Leone. Whoa. Now, that, you know, we won't go into that now. But you see, he's able to identify these, these sort of um, movements and histories that are just so often skipped over because we so focus on our Western churches, our Western missionary heroes. And he just so well uh, wants to tell the stories of these myriads of, of often nameless indigenous witnesses who, who were so crucial and, and central to the worldwide expansion of the Christian church. I could go on and on about this book. We don't have time for that. But Walters is an eminent scholar, a beautiful writer. Uh, uh, he's able to just blow your mind so often in what he says. Once again, you don't have to agree with everything he writes, but you, you won't be bored reading that book. So yeah, pick it up, digest it. Uh, you won't regret it. One of the things you said there, though, that I, I find really interesting and helpful is just referencing all of the nameless indigenous witnesses that there have been, because it, it is true. I, I, I think that, that the story of history and Christian history, missions history, there's certain figureheads and movements that you've got to talk about. And if you're only looking at the margins and not following you know, the other plot there, you, you might miss the point of some of those major movements. But at the same time, at the end of the day, in the final evaluation before God, it's going to be a lot of the nameless people that weren't written down in our history books that are going to be a lot closer to the throne than several of us, uh, especially myself. And we praise God for those people of whom the world isn't worthy. We see that even in the New Testament, don't we? So who are, what are the names of the, yeah. the saints who began the church in Rome? What are the names of those who scattered in, in Acts chapter 8 and went off to Antioch? What's the name of Naaman's wife, slave girl, who, you know, spoke to him about the God of Israel? We don't know them, but the Lord knows them and we will know them in the new creation. And boy, do I look forward to that day. Absolutely. So our ninth book. Two more to go. Um, this one is probably the fattest of the 10 books. It's actually the only one that is an edited volume, not by a single author. It is called Scattered and Gathered, a global compendium of diaspora missiology. Um, it was uh, came out in 2020, the second edition. Um, uh, the reason I've included this is not so much that the book itself is absolutely legendary, although I think it is very good, but I think it's because it's the topic. 
So this book is dealing with intranational and international migration, which I personally would identify as perhaps the defining trend of the 21st century world. And therefore, perhaps, you know, the defining trend of 21st century missiology. So what the authors in this book are trying to do is grapple with the implications of migration and diaspora for God's mission in the world today. God is doing something unparalleled and extraordinary through the movement of peoples in our world today. And although there are very valid economic, social, political questions to be discussed in that context, actually what this book is trying to do is say, that aside, this is happening. How do we and should we respond to what God is doing here missiologically? Um, you know, sitting back in our old paradigms might not be good enough in the 21st century when, when God is doing something new, it seems. And how is he inviting us to participate in that? So there's 42 essays, uh, everything from looking at immigrant families in the US, Lebanese, Christianity uh, and its relationship to the Syrian refugee crisis. I mean, you've just got such a broad range of topics here. Um, it is diverse. It is fascinating. The authors come from all six continents. I think this is a beginning, Alex and Scott. I don't think this is the final word on diaspora missiology. I don't think this has to answer every question you might have. But I think it is asking the right questions. Uh, and so I think this really lays a magnificent foundation. And I think there's going to be a lot more books to come on how we grapple as missionaries, as missiologists, as the church with uh, this sort of uh, movement that we are seeing and are going to see in the world today. Well, first of all, I'm really bothered by the lack of representation of authors from Antarctica, actually, because you mentioned all six continents. <laughs> uh, but, but, but more to the point there, one of the things, Chris I'm, and Scott, you, you too, I'm curious if either of you guys have ever thought about this. The fact that there's all this conversation now around diaspora and if you if you trace the history of that word originally that was always a reference to the jewish diaspora which was the diaspora that everyone was familiar with the one that had most impacted the direction of history and we see that even through biblical history as well the scattering of the jews and that that really becomes the seedbed for christianity to spread as a global movement and not just a national movement out of israel and that that's just fascinating to me how god writing the story of that one people group throughout biblical periods leads to something that's that's happening as all of the people groups are being exposed to this one true God into history and future history too as we look forward. It, it, to me, that's just an interesting concept and I, I think it is important for us to engage. It, it, it's fascinating what God's what God's doing around the world and moving people groups. I mean, I'm sitting here in, in California and just to think 200 years ago, very few of the peoples that were living, that you know, that are here now were here then. And, uh, you know, having people wander into our church services from Hindu backgrounds and Muslim backgrounds and coming to faith in Christ uh, in, in very unreached people groups is uh, so exciting. You know, it's amazing mm -hmm. what God's doing. So I'm excited to dive into that book because I think it's going to deal with a lot of topics that, that any of us living in very multicultural areas are going to have to wrestle with. That's wonderful. So we're down to our final book. This is kind of sad, you know, uh, just like, you know, New Year's Eve is kind of a sad time. This is our last book, Chris. What do we have for us? That's right. So on to the last one. Um, and Scott, just quickly there, unless my ears deceived me, I just heard Alex say the phrase, I'm curious. So congratulations, Scott, on <laughs> yes. uh, the influence oh. you're having. The influence, it's growing, yes. You caught it. You get a special prize, Chris. 
You got a free book. <laughs> so the tenth book is um, by an author who will have to forgive me if she's listening. So I may get the pronunciation of her name wrong. But as I read it, it is Mekdes Harris. Uh, she is an Ethiopian uh, believer now living in the U.S. And she has just written a book and published a book called A Just Mission, Laying Down Power and Embracing Mutuality. So this is 2022. It is from just a few weeks ago. I actually haven't finished it yet. So that may come across as a bit scandalous or unprofessional that I'm including it in a list like this when I haven't finished it. I don't know whether it'll still be on these kind of lists 10 years or 100 years from now. Who knows? But what I see in this book is that it it it, it is one of a number of books that have come out in the last year or two from non Western or majority world Christians who have um, seen and experienced and received um, uh, Western missionaries, either short term or long term, and are reflecting back to a Western audience what they have felt uh, as that happened. Now, Megdes doesn't, or sorry, Haddis, the surname, doesn't write this um, to attack or to seek to hurt. Western Christians or the Western Mission Movement, but rather to um, ask us to listen and learn from majority world uh, recipients of our mission efforts and to ask us to reflect on what they're saying, to listen, to learn, and perhaps to do better. Now, brothers, I, I'm a Western missionary here in Uganda. Um, I want to be told that everything I do and everything I say is wonderful and, 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 and marvelous. And, and then when I read a book like this, it can sting. You know, I wince a bit when I read it. Um, I want to pick up something that affirms me. And instead, this is uh, critical at times. Um, but what Harris is saying is I'm thankful for this Western missionary traditions and action, but can we work together to do it better? So Harris believes that the Western mission movement sometimes works off an assumption that Western theologizing is unique and superior uh, and wants to simply transfer that en masse to other cultures. She believes that Western churches and agencies are too often guilty of sending underdeveloped disciples to go and make disciples of others, going out in the name of Christ but without the power of Christ in them or without living with the image of Christ imprinted on them. So she emphasizes being discipled before making disciples. And I think that's something we can and should all listen to. A question with that, Chris, would you say that her methodology is critical? So there's so much talk of critical theories, certainly of this idea of power and divesting ourselves of power as sort of the, the soul lens through which we evaluate anything from a cultural or a political or a spiritual standpoint? Uh, or it, it sounds like maybe her, her goal is to build up, not, not to tear down and to lovingly encourage uh, people like yourself reflecting on it as a Western missionary. How would you characterize that even though you're not quite done reading it yet? Yeah, that's right. I think you've identified it rightly there, Alex, in that the, the, it is a, a positive book. It is a constructive book. What she's longing for is a missiology that is biblical and faithful and mutual. She's not seeking to replace. She's not seeking to uh, exclude. She's not seeking to uh, tear down. I think I think she's trying to say, let's work together to do this better. Uh, I, I know that I I need to hear that. You know, I'm, I'm sometimes more content uh, reading about the mission of God than I am hearing from the God of mission. And what mm. Harris is trying to do is say, let's join together to listen to the God of mission through his word to identify blind spots that we all have and to work together to do that mutually for the benefit of all of us. Um, and and I, I think it is constructive. 
Um, and I, I th it, it can sting. I'm not going to deny it. It can sting. But do you know what? Sometimes they're the books that we do need to eat. And they may not be the only books that we need to eat. But I think uh, I add it to this list because I think we need something like this in order to really help us to reflect on our own practices, our own perspectives, and to really demonstrate that we are living in a, a global church, a global Christianity, and a global missiological community. Uh, and if we don't reflect that in the books we're reading and the voices we're listening to, then, then we're going to be weakened in, in our own understanding of the God of mission. So I think it's helpful. So I, I, I know that as you're putting these together, you, you obviously left off a book that um, you did it just, just, just for Alex's sake, uh, Missions by the Book, How Theology and Missions Walk Together by Kochman and Vegas. Uh, that, I appreciate that because that helps his modesty, and you just know that that would have been does. number one it otherwise. But, but uh, what other books uh, besides that book um, were you like, oh, this almost made the cut. I wish I had 11. Uh, I wish I had 15 to be able to share. I thought it would just be too blatant to include your book in, Alex. So forgive me for not doing so. But uh, uh, as it happens, I do massively admire you, your missiology, your perspectives. But uh, it would just be too blatant. So um, it was really hard for us to put together this list of 10. When you first gave me 10, I thought, hey, how generous. I was expecting like three when you first suggested we might do something like this. And then I wrote down a list of about 35. And, I, and, and then your names were mud because I was thinking, how can they only give me 10? This is abysmal, but I managed it. I mean, there's no pure mission history book in here. So, you know, Philip Jenkins, Vince Bantu, Alice Otts, you know, all these um, brothers and sisters have written wonderful recent um, mission histories. There's no book on cultural anthropology or cross-cultural communication directly mm. in here. There's no missionary biographies, which of course mm. might surprise some. There's no Catholic missiologists. Now, it might surprise you to hear me say that, but in, in brothers like uh, Bevans and Schroeder, a book Constance in context or um, Vincent Donovan who was a Catholic missionary in Tanzania there are some useful Catholic mission texts as well not to read them exclusively but to add them into our, our diet there's no John Stott there's no Chris Wright how about that there's no Lamin yeah. Sané there's no Leslie Newbegin there's no Roland Allen so you know th th there's so much I've had to miss out and it's been painful to do so but I think the 10 that we've looked at here are, are reflective of what missiology is at the moment what it has been in the past and crucially what's happening and where it's going as i see it in the coming years so i think these 10 would give us a rich diet of missiology maybe not the only books we should be reading but uh, i think they are a good place to start well, that just goes to show that we need to have you on next year, Chris, to do a similar sort of book countdown. Maybe right about this time of year, you're making some New Year's resolutions and deciding what's going to be on your plate, what you're committing to in the year to come. And maybe one of the things that you'll do is commit to reading some of these important books. So, Chris, thank you so much for putting this together. Uh, this is exciting. It's interesting just to broaden our perspectives, our horizons. Here's some names that several of us, I haven't heard a lot of these names before either. Uh, but what an encouraging thing about how broad and expansive God's glory global kingdom is and all of the important people that are writing and thinking along those lines. So just as a final reminder before we end things here, how can people hear from you, Chris? How can they get in touch? Thanks very much. So um, I'm on Twitter. I guess that's uh, one way of doing it, at Chris Howes. You could go to the website we mentioned earlier, from everynation.net, and there's a way to contact me through that. And I'd be delighted to hear from you. I'd be delighted to hear what books your listeners thought should be included. And uh, yeah, I hope to engage with your listeners and maybe with you to again on this on a future date. So thanks very much for having me. Glad we could have you on. Scott, any final words from you? 
No, I'm excited. Uh, these are all going to go on my uh, wish list uh, for, well, I actually have some of them already, but the rest of them are going to go on my wish list for Christmas. So I uh, enjoy the, the stimulating conversation. It's always good to have a true nerd uh, getting excited about something. And uh, Chris, you are that. And uh, next time, if we don't, if we had another podcast about non-missions things, we'd do one on the Beatles because I know you're, you're, you, uh, I, I get nerdy about the Beatles and I know you're even further than that than me on that. But we have a lot of things we can talk about going forward. So thanks so much, Chris. And uh, thank you, Alex. Yeah, we appreciate you, Chris. And thank you for joining us. If you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook, or if you're listening, whatever your favorite app or platform, remember to leave us a positive rating and a review or a thumbs up or whatever, however it works. Whatever you do there helps get this content in front of other people that can be blessed by it. And of course, you can partner with the show at missionspodcast.com slash support. Remember, the Missions Podcast is a ministry resource of ABWE. And to learn more about ABWE, go to abwe.org. And if you have suggestions for future topics or people to interview, you can email scott at missionspodcast.com or alex at missionspodcast.com. We love hearing from you. Well, Happy New Year. And until our next conversation, thank you for watching or listening to the Missions Podcast today. Bye-bye.